Welcome to the Forge Truth Podcast, where we are building great men as God defines greatness. Forge is a movement of men with a mission to help all men realize they are the deeply beloved, redeemed sons of the Most High God. I'm your producer, Zach, and I'm here to discuss the issues that affect men the most with our two hosts, Dr. Pete Allenson, lifelong pastor and leader of Forge, and Jason Quinones, Bishop of Core Faith Church in Oviedo, Florida. Men, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Good to be here with you guys. Good day, mates. Good day, mates. Good day, mates. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You're Puerto Rican. I know. I just had to switch it up because oh, okay. you know, I always say the same thing, but it is good to be here with you guys. Don't stop now. Keep going. No, I guess. That's that's as far as it goes. You know, whenever I do like impersonations, somehow I always end up sounding like Nacho Libre by the end. So <laughs> the first part start, it starts off well, and then that's the end of it. Truly a cult classic, <laughs> Nacho Libre. Uh, yeah. Now, I, I will say, brothers, that he criticized me a little bit because I got a quarter Venezuelan, and, and and he was he was all over me uh, for. I don't know what you were laughing at, but uh, it was it was just funny. The I way took you, it personally. I know. I, want I, you to I, know. I apologize publicly. For it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be here with you guys. Absolutely. Well, today I, I want to bring in our special guest early into the conversation because there's a lot that we want to ask him. Uh, Brady Duke is joining us today. Brady, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thank you very much, Zach. It's really good to be here with you guys. Good to have you here, Brady. He's a big old tall guy. How tall are you, Brady? <laughs> Uh, six and a half feet tall. Six and a half feet tall. Yeah. I um, love that he doesn't have to say a number. He can say a half. That is great. That's I actually, like that. Could I be like the it. first time I've said that because it's it just, yeah, simplify yeah. it. That's Make right. It That's right. But he's a big old tall guy. Uh, SEAL, no longer on active duty. Yeah. And uh, a father of... Tell us about your family. How, <laughs> it's I, a guess at this it, point. It, People are wondering, wait, how many is it? Yeah, I'm a father of five with a sixth on the way. Ooh, no. Yes. Wow. I didn't know that. Congratulations. Oh, I guess I hadn't gotten that to you yet. Wow. No. Did you guys know? Did you I know? didn't know. Oh. Congratulations. Yeah, this, is, this is new. I have a daughter and four sons, and this will be son number five. Wow. Um, as the blood test says, I've got a couple friends holding out. One of my sons is holding out saying the test is wrong, but, mm. um, you know. We're super blessed. So. That is a blessing. You know, to nice. get to have sons to send out into the world. Bishop, you Amen. have a son. Zach, yeah. you have a son. I got two sons. And it, it, to send good young men out into the world. That's a yeah. blessing. And your wife works out at the CrossFit gym that my daughter goes to. And uh, and so she's well known over there. <laughs> and uh, that's, wow. I don't know how she does it, but she does. Yeah, yeah. she does. She's she's. Strong lady. Oh, yeah. that's great. Well, that's great. Well, listen, you know, you're doing a lot of things. You're uh, uh, been, been a SEAL. We want to talk about that. And then we want to talk about what you're doing now, your ministry, and anything else. We're just going to jump into yeah, it. Tell us absolutely. about your years as a as a SEAL. I mean, every man loves that idea, right? Yeah. Uh, I. It was, a, it was an honor, and it was a dream. Hmm. You know, that's how I, how I characterize it, because— you grow up, and for me, I was I had this conviction growing up. Hey, once I got through high school, it was I if I serve, I want to go into like a special forces uh, unit of some kind. I didn't know Navy, didn't know Army, wasn't really sure. Had a swim coach in high school who was a SEAL, and that really intrigued me. Uh, so after high school, I had decided, you know what, if I don't try this, I'm going to regret it. And um, I went for it and joined the Navy in 2006. Mm. Um, and so went to Bud's training, started in uh, Bud's class 263. That was January of 2007. Um, you know, the January classes, the winter classes are the ones that 
I would say are dif- more difficult because of the temperature. We are in San Diego, California. The water in the Pacific is already chilly. Um, and then you go into January months and you're in the water five days out of the week for hours of the day, middle of the night with the sand and all that. Um, and you are freezing cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I don't like cold water. Yeah, right. People ask me if you like it. It's like, no, you put up with it to accomplish <laughs> the goal and the mission, but no, you don't like it. That's right. Well, and I grew up out there and I would only go in the ocean um, during the, you know, during the summer. And yeah. my buddies would go, would go surf and they go, you want to come surf? I go, are you crazy? Sit out on a, on a log out there <laughs> in the cold weather before school? No, yeah. no. So I get it. Yeah. And, and anybody who's watched a, a movie of Buds uh, knows that that's, it's crazy, crazy. But I like what you said. You're willing to endure it for the sake of the mission. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you, you go into it, and at, the, at that time, that was 2007, there was some stuff out there on the internet about it. Um, you could do some research, you could read some books, but I went into it in a lot of ways kind of blind. I knew the phases, I knew some of the big obstacles like Hell Week and things like that, but I didn't overcomplicate it for myself, and I think that was kind of a blessing mm. in disguise where, you know, I had a general idea of the scheme of how this should go. Um, but it allowed me to stay focused on, Hey, I need to get through what's put in front of me one step at a time. Because if you, um, do the math on, you know, how many miles you run, how many miles you swim throughout the course of buds, it sounds like an insurmountable task. It's like you, you'd swim from Cuba to Florida, and then you would run from Florida to New York. And, you know, there's, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's huge. But if you take, you know, buds and break it down by day or even by the meal is what you'd have to do. So you're in the midst of all of that pain from 5 a.m. to 6 or 7 p.m. or sometimes in the middle of the night. Um, And all you're trying to do is get to the next meal. And that's how you break it down is if I can get to the next meal, I'll be okay. So interesting. um, Yeah. There's a lot of guys that live that way today, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to the next meal, man. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's in a lot of ways, it's, it's like life. It's, you know, um, you want to take it in those bite-sized pieces. If you think you're going to solve all of it at one time, you're never going to get there. Um, But you want to stay focused because there were guys, you know, it was surprising. We would be standing there dry in the sun and it, in that environment in buds, you're wet and sandy so much that when you're dry and you're in the sunshine, that is like, it's amazing. So soak it up and enjoy it while you can. You know, there's pain coming. So we're getting ready for, uh, <laughs> you're getting ready for an inspection and it's early on. This is first phase and you know, you're going to fail. They're going to find a grit of sand in your room or some little thing wrong with your uniform. So you're all going to fail and you know, then you're going to get what we call beat down for the next three hours on the beach. And four guys from my boat crew all just walked off. The instructors weren't even present. We were all starting to get in ranks and line up. You know, we had an inspection in 15 minutes and they knew the pain that was coming. And one of them goes breaks mentally and three of them followed. And I was like, what is going on? Wow. Um, and to caveat on that, there was a guy in my class, absolute stud physically could crush everything. All the runs you do a four mile timed run every week. You do a two mile ocean swim. That's timed every week. You do an obstacle course every week and you have to pass these evolutions. You only get a couple fails. Um, he could with ease, he would sacrifice time on his runs to go pull guys from the back to make sure they try to pass the time cut off. 
Um, it was the fourth day of first phase. We're doing a night evolution on the beach in San Diego. It's probably 50 degrees outside, if that. And we're on the beach, wet and sandy, doing these drills up the berm, down the berm, carrying boats, all this stuff. Um, and all of a sudden, he just snaps. He just runs over the berm and disappears and rings the bell. This guy, this was his third try at Bud, so it was his last try. He cannot try again uh, for the rest of his Navy career. And because he broke mentally, he quit. Um, it wasn't a physical thing. The guy could do anything physically. He could outrun everybody, outswim everybody. It was a mental break that happened, and that's really what it is. It's just the constant banging against difficult, uncomfortable things that breaks guys. Yeah. So what what makes the difference between someone who will break and won't? Like what what practices can they build up uh, to, to prepare for that? Um, I mean... For for buds specifically, I mean, I'll talk to that, and then there's, there's probably some life application that can come out of that. Is I didn't run more than three miles before I was in the Navy ever. Um, so the <laughs> first long run I did was prepping for buds in the Navy was like eight or nine miles. It's like we're going on a conditioning run. It's eight miles long. Mm. I was like, I'm gonna die. This, how am I gonna do this? Um, there's there's this balance between preparing and then over preparing mm. um, where you almost work yourself into a corner where you think you've got everything, every detail nailed down. And then one thing is different and guys break. Mm. Guys go into it thinking, I know the schedule because I have a buddy who's in the phase ahead of me. I know what the instructors are going to do during this evolution and they change it up on purpose. Uh. And when that change happens guys will mentally break because they don't know what to expect. So they don't leave it. They don't like rely on the ability to adapt and overcome to the situation and train themselves to make a call and make a choice in the moment um, to, to be able to, be, to succeed. Right. So um, I was prepared. I met the physical standards. I could do the runtime to, to the standard and, and a little better. I was a competitive runtime. I was a competitive swim time. I was a swimmer growing up. So that was fairly easy for me. Um, but I wasn't a runner, you know, before that I grew into that. Um, the obstacle course was something that a skill that you learn in there. And if you can hit the bare minimums, but then be competitive, that's where you want to be. Guys go in and thinking, I'm going to be the best, the greatest and better than anyone ever has. And those guys either break mentally or they break physically because they've overworked themselves. Mm. Um, and so that's what they want to see guys come in and succeed. Um, for the mission, right? That's what you're preparing for is that mission. And if you are doing things that are going to actually compromise you from accomplishing that mission, you're not going to get through buds training. Um, you're not actually preparing for what that is. You're yeah. kind of, you know, you're not meeting the standard that they put out there. You're meeting your own standard, which can set you up for failure. So, Wow, that's powerful. We used to have a saying in seminary because in seminary, you know, a master's of divinity is a three-year full-time uh, program. And the, the scholars that teach in seminaries are always trying to say, yeah, here, here's every one of them had like 2000 pages of reading per semester, per class. You know I mean? It's ridiculous. And so we, we, one guy, one day came, I said, I'm never going to get it all done. He goes, he goes, Pete C equals MDiv. I said, what? C <laughs> equals MDiv. In other words, you, you don't yeah. have to get an A. You just, you got to meet the standard. Yeah. And you, you said, if you said, basically it's what you said, mm -hmm. but I love what you had said about the idea of mental and, and spiritual yep. toughness. I think more Christian men need to have that level of, of mental toughness. 
uh, spiritual toughness because uh, we break uh, in different areas. In yeah. Our own. Yeah. So for sure, you learn that. Do you think temperamentally you're more wired for the uh, buds training? Um, do you think you have a temperament that, uh, as because you're calm, you're a calm guy. Um, I th- I think that probably lends you know in a positive way for sure. It's it takes a lot for me to get really spun up, um, and so that's definitely good for high intense combat situations where you want to be able to think through the problem and remain calm. Mm. Um, we say in the SEAL teams, calm breeds calm. So if you have a guy in your team who is freaking out it's going to kind of start to go through the team and that can go into your verbiage, the way you're communicating verbally or even non-verbally and how you're moving. You're just physically, your body is moving. If you're running frantically, if you're moving frantically, um, you know, I think there is temperament is, is a huge thing. Cause some of the guys that get really spun up, they'll get spun up in training and lose it. I mean, there was a guy when we do the first, what's called surf passage, it was the very first time in San Diego you go through the waves just to swim with fins and a mask and a swim buddy to go through the waves. I don't know how they did it. I think they just got lucky because the, the number one, the wintertime in San Diego, the waves are up. That's the season for waves. But it was a high surf day. These were the biggest waves I've ever seen in my life. And I grew up in Florida. It's a lake compared to San Diego. <laughs> so I'm not like saying I know waves, but I remember thinking like, wow, this is legitimate. And there was a guy who quit on the beach because he wouldn't go in the waves. He just wouldn't even go out, uh, wouldn't even try it. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting, interesting thing. So a lot of the whole idea of risk. Hey, listen, I know Bishop is going to jump in here in a minute, but you got to tell us some stuff about combat too. Uh, you know, tell us, <laughs> tell us some, tell us a couple of stories. We got to hear something, you know particularly something that's that's you shouldn't tell us like it's uh uh undercover <laughs> yeah we'll just keep it between us yeah, yeah that's right yeah there's nobody else in here right right um, right let's see i think um it was it was a really cool experience i was in charge of the ordnance for my platoon as a new guy so i inventoried all the weapons all the all the guns all of the rocket launchers all of the optics lasers So I was the only new guy um, that got to fly over on an earlier flight into Afghanistan. So my first deployment was to Afghanistan in 2009 and 10. And um, I got to be on kind of the flight with the older, more experienced guys because of my role in that. And so I got to go on uh, an earlier operation before the turnover was was fully done. Um, I was on SEAL Team 1. We were turning over with uh, SEAL Team 7. And so... um, we, you know, it was, it was kind of a, it's, it's a cool story because it's like a movie scene, right? You, you get all, all ready to go. You're jocked up. I'm probably weighing close to 300 pounds with all my gear on because mm. we're going to be there for over 24 hours. So I've got to pack in water because I'm not drinking water out of one of their muddy holes and you've got to bring some food and ammo and, um, grenades and comms and armor and helmet and night vision and, um, a, a lot of things, um, you know, a small med kit and all that. So you're weighing over 300 pounds and we take uh, two different Chinook helicopters in and we land in in this lower valley area and um, it's nighttime and we hit the ground and we're in like knee high to almost waist high grass. It's the summer is coming to an end. It's becoming fall. So there's still some growth. And um, 
first thing we get reports of um, from our ISR platforms that are above head is, hey, there's seven or eight guys up on the ridgeline moving. So here we are. I'm a brand new guy, first time in Afghanistan on night vision, uh, walking through a valley, patrolling through, and um, oh, hey, there's some guys up on the ridgeline. So, okay, all is quiet. We're just going to keep moving because we have night vision and they don't. And our objective is, you know, a few hundred yards away. So we have to go through a couple um, little ravines where there's some creeks running and you know, it's the silly things that people don't think of too. It's like, oh man, my feet are wet. We're five minutes into this and my feet are wet. Come on now. <laughs> um, but we patrol up and um, I'm probably seven or eight back from the point man. And up with the point man is our dog guy. And uh, we have dogs that are, you know, there for um, sniffing bombs, drugs, and biting. And there was a guy who was coming down the walkway and he was told to put his hands up. And um, he opened up his jacket and there was an AK slung there. And so uh, the point man just dropped him right there and um, started taking sensitive things off of him, anything that we could take for intelligence. And um, you just kind of quietly step over and continue on um, to the objective. And then we cleared a building there. It took about two hours to clear because you're trying to do it as, convert as covertly as possible. And um, it took about two hours to clear that building. And we occupied that for the next day or so. Um, and we used that as a way to, um, you know, gain intelligence, find certain people that we're looking for that draw us to that valley or that building to find certain persons. Um, and we can also then, um, I would say, instigate some more engagement from there. Um, because there was an interesting transition happening in Afghanistan at the time where rules of engagement were changing and things, you know, so we find creative ways to get involved in the fight and get the bad guys to come out. Um, and so we would put up an American flag, um, so that people in the area would know who was there. Um, so if anybody wanted to come out and play, then they could do so. And then we could, um, have to deal with that problem. So we, you know, you could find intelligence to drive you out there to the battlefield. Um, and then there's creative ways where you can continue to grow that operation, um, to get more done. So, wow. Yeah. Man, well, we could keep talking about this all day. I'm sure you have <laughs> stories and we would love to hear it, but we have to transition. So yeah. what are you doing now? Uh, I left active duty in 2015, stayed working for the SEAL teams as a civilian in San Diego, teaching close quarters combat. That's how you clear the buildings. Um, that's been really my main focus for the last eight years. Did that for the SEAL team specifically, then got into doing that for law enforcement. And that took me with another company. I was doing that work kind of in a number of different areas in the country. And left San Diego, moved back here to Central Florida three years ago, uh, which is home to me. It's where I grew up. And... Um, I am actively still working with law enforcement in this area, working with um, Orlando PD, their SWAT team, working with Seminole County SWAT team. Uh, I've done some work with Brevard and now kind of moving out to the West Coast as well, possibly working with Pinellas um, and things like that. So I teach tactics um, for law enforcement and SWAT teams and um, teach guys how to clear buildings so they can be more effective. Um, it's a passion of mine. I feel like I have a gift in teaching and... Um, it seems to be going really well. And so doing that, and then my wife and I, we have a ministry called Intervene Ministries. We teach on deep heart forgiveness, reconciliation, um, because I have a story of healing and breakthrough in my marriage. And uh, it doesn't matter what badges or kind of merits you earn in life. It's not going to give you identity that God gives you. Um, and 
we as men are going to try to find ways to hide behind that, to mask issues in our life or mask wounding that we carry. And so we help people sift through that um, because I've walked through a lot of that. And um, my marriage was not in a good place because of the issues that I was dealing with, uh, with pornography and alcohol and things like that. Um, And so we help people sift through what wounding is driving you to these sin patterns, because I believe Christ can set you free because that's what he came to do, to heal you, set you free, make a place for you, pay for your sins. There's so many aspects to what he did on the cross for us that I think on this side of heaven, we can see breakthrough in so many ways Mm -hmm. if we're willing to open up those rooms of our heart to really go there Mm -hmm. um, and be super vulnerable and honest. And Mm so um, with that, we've launched an online platform as well called The Freedom Journey, um, where we're doing 12-week inner healing coaching uh, with 10 to 15 people cohort size, um, where we sit down with them weekly, there's weekly courses and stuff like that, that are, we just launched that a couple months ago. So. Fantastic. What's the website again? Um, so my website is called interveneministries.org. And then the online platform is called the freedom Okay. So, and, and that, and, and people that will be involved, want to be involved in this, you do most of your stuff online over, uh, like yeah, so the, vid- yeah, the Freedom Connections. Journey is a 12-week program. You have video content every week, homework every week, and a live call every week. And wow. then um, there's also opportunities to you know set up time with myself, um, my wife, Julie, um, or one of the other coaches that we're working with as well. That's so, fantastic. Yeah, great. That's great. And then what kind of changes are you seeing in these couples that go through these programs? Um, so... We started sharing how our ministry even got started was this started, my mess started blowing up in my own face. And then God really sat on me and I was feeling his conviction and moved me to truly come forward and freely repent. I think there's a difference where I had in the past gotten caught in things and just admitted to that Mm -hmm. and, or had somebody kind of make some claims about what kind of sin should be addressed. And then you kind of subtly admit to, Hey, I struggle with that too. But the heart behind that's different when you're saying, Oh yeah, I I struggle. I struggle. It's like, yeah, we all sin. Everybody knows that it's kind of the same thing. But then when you come forward and freely confess and repent and say, I have an issue and I need help and I'm ready to just disclose all of it. Um, And God just drove me to that point. And um, I came forward with what was going on. I mean, I had done, church planning school and discipleship school at the church we were part of in San Diego and all these things and serving in the church. And it was like, I was still quietly dealing with pornography and with, by not making any excuses, there were issues and wounds in my heart that were driving me and sin patterns that had been there for ages Mm -hmm. that have been normal in my life. And so, um, we, this can of worms opened up in my life. I shared it with some of my close friends that I walked with a couple guys in my life at the time, said, Hey, I've been not honest about what's been going on. And the Holy Spirit's power just started touching them. And as we started to kind of get on our feet, my wife and I, um, the Lord started to push on these guys' hearts and they started to respond to that. Um, and they started to open up and, and confess things. And we had been doing life together for five, six, seven years, um, or more. And we just don't know what each other's struggling with mm-hmm. until we truly start to open up and be vulnerable. And one marriage, you know, a guy is sleeping around on mul- with multiple women, and then he's on the edge of suicide. And um, we bring him in and bring him to my mentor at the time, and he gets delivered from some pretty gnarly things that were from his family's past that he inherited. 
and sit down into some really deep ministry times where he's very specifically repenting for things that he's done and practiced. Um, and I think that that's one of the huge keys is being very specific. You see that in the book of Acts when, um, you know, they're confessing and repenting openly and bringing forth the things that they did witchcraft with. And you say witchcraft, it's like, oh, I'm not doing witchcraft, but it's like, what's, what is in your life practically that is actually occupying your home or your mind or your closet that you know is not godly or not honoring him um, and needs to come out and be obediently like step set forth. So we started just sharing our story. God started showing up and in a good way, like blowing things up where like light comes in and there's a, there's a mess and there's a storm, but the fruit on the other side of it is eternal fruit. It's spiritual fruit. It's lasting fruit. And that was something that God showed me was like this, a story I heard was um, a guy was in the same predicament as me, multiple kids dealing with pornography, was hiding it. And he decided to go forth and say, I, I've got to deal with this. And um, the fruit that came to his marriage and the relationship with his children was apparent. And I knew that I wouldn't really see that um, if I wasn't walking in real obedience to him. Mm. Um, and like you said this morning at um, Forge was, you know, there are real consequences to sin. Mm -hmm. Bishop, you said it this morning, there are real consequences to how we live in sin and it yeah. will damage relationships, even if nobody knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was encountering with my intimacy in my marriage was there was a wall there that I couldn't get past because it, for me, didn't feel safe. And that's an excuse per se, but it was mm -hmm. also sin in my life and injuries and wounding that I suffered as a mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm rambling on. I want to offer some time for questions here. No, you know, yeah. that that's so good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, the, the well, honest, I'm, I'm, go ahead. No, you go. Bob. <laughs> no, I was going to say that. I mean, that, that story there was how we met when we were talking right. and we had, we had breakfast and you shared that story. And I, and I was actually in a series and we were going through Matthew talking about forgiveness and I had you come and share because it was just such, such a powerful truth to hear a man get vulnerable about the struggles that, that, that he was having yeah. and how God's grace comes in when we open up. And while, like you just said, we're trying to, we're trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. Our heavenly father is saying, son, come to me. Yeah. I want to heal that wound. I want to make you a free man so you can actually minister and bring life into right. your family and, and to your leadership. So it's not limited by the sin that's in our lives. So yeah. that's powerful, man. Um, and, and that's what the gospel does. Yeah. And when we, when we go this way, this is where God builds men. He wants to build us. We're his boys. Yeah, We're right. his sons. Right. And, and he builds great men, but he's got to get us through this process. Yeah. yeah. Now, listen, we don't have a lot more time, but you are not only doing all this ministry stuff and, and, and using your SEAL background. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing locally in politics. You're running for mayor in the yeah. city of Oviedo. That's awesome. I am. What, what's yeah. motivated that, and, and how, how do you feel you can help lead a city? You know, I ran for office uh, last election cycle, ran for Congress, and I had committed to a lot of people in this area to serve them. Um, and that commitment doesn't expire, mm -hmm. and that conviction in my heart that I believe God put there to serve is not going away. Um, I think it's something that he has called me to do in life. Um, obviously with serving in the SEAL teams and continuing with what I do with law enforcement and ministry. Um, you know, I think that our city is definitely in need of genuine leadership. And I've had a number of people who I built relationship with here in Oviedo um, come forward and say, hey, 
we saw what you did last campaign. And if you would consider running here locally, we'd love to have you mm. um, represent us a- as mayor of the, of the town. And so, you know, I considered it, I prayed about it, talked to, to my wife about it. And um, I've been told I have a shepherd's heart. And that's something that I feel called to do in serving is to shepherd people. Um, and I think, you know, we, we should have people who walk in the fear of the Lord and the decisions that they make um, that are going to stand up for truth and not waver on their positions. Mm. Um, and I, I think that points to the genuineness of, hey, I'm candid about who I am and what I think. And I think it's important that you make your position known and you hold your feet and you put your feet on solid ground and you don't move them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when people are playing politics and trying to gain political points from one side of a political view to the other, you start to breed mistrust and people don't know who you are. And in the in this, you know, this world of managing a city, I think it's important that you are clear with where you stand. And if people know that they disagree with you on something, they can work with you on that issue or around that issue, but you're not going to change. Um, and so I think that's something that people are really, really hungry to see. Mm-hmm. So that's great. That's great. And that's not a full-time position, is it? Or no, is it, it is not. No, but it is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's kind of like being a pastor. Yeah. I, I'm part-time at a, at a church. No, you're mm-hmm. full-time. Yeah. <laughs> so it will be. And, and yet, your wife is in this with you because, I mean, you know, it's a family deal. It is a family deal. Yeah. You know, yeah. It just we, has to be. Our, our last campaign, we've knocked a ton of doors. I think my wife and kids, they knocked about 1,200 doors. Wow. wow. And uh, when I was talking to them about, hey, should daddy run for mayor? They're like, do we have to knock doors? <laughs> I said, no, probably a few. Probably a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Get, get them out there. But, yeah. you know, we, we need men who are willing to stand up yeah. and uh, uh, to, to, to help our culture, yeah. to bring the gospel message and the gospel lifestyle into yeah. leadership mm-hmm. roles. So I love that, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a seal with a shepherd's heart. You know, I love mm-hmm. that. A door kicker uh, in a gentle way. And we need that. We, mm-hmm. need, we need men like that. And I hope that uh, the Christians in Oviedo will, will come out. You, actually, you've already kicked off your, uh, yeah. your run. Yeah, we're so, in the 4th of, 4th of July parade and... Yeah. We're well underway. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Is there any contact information in a website or anything for that, for the run for mayor? Yeah, the, the mayor's what my my website is bradydukeformayor.com. Okay. Yeah. There it is. That is great. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Brady, for joining us today. Uh it's been awesome listening to you, and we wish you the best of luck with the campaign. Um, for everyone listening at home, if you have any questions or comments on what we talked about today, you can me- email us at forge at forgetruth.com. And if you want to learn more about the Forge movement, you can check out our website at forgetruth.com. Again, thanks for listening. And Pete, do you want to lay down a challenge for a minute today? Yeah, yeah. Just what a joy to see an authentic man. And I love that. Um, the men around this table are authentic men. We're not playing a game spiritually because the gospel of Jesus Christ sets us free. Um, God loves us. Uh, and improved it on the cross and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that leads you to be an honest man, to face the real issues of your own life and to continue to allow him to develop you. When God gets a hold of us as men, we become better for women, children, churches, and the whole culture. Mm-hmm.